Thank you, Brad, for reading Scripture today, and thank you for being here. We're grateful for your presence. We're glad that we have the opportunity to be back together. Thank you to Brother Billy for leading the singing earlier at the 5 o'clock hour, the practice singing, and got to see some folks lead, particularly one person that I don't think I had seen leading before, but uh, might make a song leader out of him. But we appreciate so much you being here tonight. We're going to be looking tonight at the faith of Joseph, the faith of Joseph. And I know I have prepared what I would call a chronological outline, just a very abbreviated outline for the lesson tonight. But I'm not going to use that outline. And so I want to encourage you to take a copy of it, go home, you can study it. I'm going to be making some points from that outline, but I want to just maybe think about this lesson from somewhat of a different perspective tonight as we look at the faith of Joseph. There are a lot of great characters in the Old Testament, and I suspect that one of my favorite is Joseph. Joseph, in my opinion, is a tremendous study not just because as a young fella he faced a lot of adversity, but when I look at his life and I think about the magnitude of responsibility resting upon his shoulders, it's amazing to me that a 17-year-old teenager could ultimately become a tremendous link in God's redemptive plan. And so what I want to do is maybe try to bridge that gap tonight and I want to begin, first of all, by calling your attention to the book of Genesis in chapter 15. Now, you remember we've been talking about some of the great characters. We have looked at the life of Abraham and Sarah and their faith. And you remember God had told Abraham in the long ago that through his seed line, all nations of the earth would be blessed. And that blessing would come through the promised seed of Genesis 3.15, that being the Christ, the Redeemer, the one who would reconcile fallen man to God the Father. And so in Genesis chapter 15, at this point in time, Abraham and Sarah are still childless. And they're questioning, how is God going to bring about this promise that He made? Well, God had everything under control. And so in Genesis chapter 15, you remember the Bible tells us that, note if you would, in verse 12, the Bible says that when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to Abraham, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs. will serve them, and they will afflict them four hundred years. And also the nation whom they serve I will judge. Afterward they shall come out with great possessions. So let me just pause there for a moment or two. God here telling this man, Abraham, the father of the Hebrew nation, that his seed line would ultimately dwell in a foreign land. That foreign land, as we well know, was Egypt. But here's the question. How would God get His people from Canaan to Egypt? Through one man, Joseph. So when you look at Joseph as a 17-year-old teenager, God in His great providence brought about 
a lot of interesting things in the life of Joseph. And we can read about his ascent to power in the land of Egypt. And so with that in mind, I want to now call your attention to Genesis chapter 45. I want to encourage you to go back. We're not going to go through every single detail in the story of the life of Joseph. I want to just maybe make some observations over the course of the next few days, I would encourage you to go back. You can read the account for yourself. There are a lot of twists and turns in the narrative that ultimately lead to the children of Israel migrating to the land of Egypt. Now, in Genesis chapter 45, we have now Joseph, and he is second in command under Pharaoh in Egypt. At this point in time in history, he has already seen his brothers, hasn't he? You remember a famine had occurred in the land and Jacob sent his sons down to Egypt to buy grain. Initially they came down, Joseph recognized them. They didn't recognize him. He spoke roughly to them and uh, they ended up leaving Simeon somewhat as, uh, well, left Simeon and instructed them to go back home, and then they later, of course, came back, and then they had to leave Benjamin, and so on. But look at Genesis chapter 45, if you would. And in chapter 45, we have Joseph revealing himself to his brothers. Now, what I want you to do is note with me, especially down in verse 3. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. Now, you remember when Joseph was 17 years of age, his brothers had sold him into the hands of the Midianites and Ishmaelites. Reuben wanted to spare him, wanted to save him, didn't he? And, of course, the story tells us that he was sold before Reuben was able to save him from his brother's plot or plan. But nonetheless, you ever ask this question? Have you ever wondered why, at the age of 17, when Joseph was sold out by his brothers, why didn't his father track him down? Have you ever wondered that? You think Joseph may have questioned in his mind, you think maybe he said, you know what, my father's rich and powerful. He's going to send his servants and they're going to find me and bring me back home. That never happened, did it? Why was that? Because Joseph's father thought that he was dead, didn't he? And so, all this time, now you've got to remember, 22 years have now elapsed. Joseph is now a 39-year-old man. And when he had his firstborn son, he named him Manasseh. And that name meant, God has made me forget my toil and my family. Joseph came to power in the land of Egypt at the age of 30. And then at the age of 39, he is ultimately reunited with his family. But I suspect as Joseph looked back over his life and as he thought about his father and the relationship that he had and the fact that his brothers had sold him out, 
Maybe in his heart of hearts, he thought at one point in time, you know what, my father's going to come rescue me. But that day never came, did it? He lived all those years thinking that maybe his father didn't care about him after all. Maybe his father wasn't as loving and kind as he had thought. And then his brothers, they'd sold him out. And so when he thought back over his family relations, I have no doubt that it brought a lot of pain and heartache to him. And so listen now to what it said. Joseph said in verse 4, I'm Joseph your brother whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me here to preserve life. For these two years the famine has been in the land and there are still five years in which... There will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. Now, let that sink in for a minute. The providence of God. God used a 17-year-old teenager to ultimately arise to second in command in Egypt under Pharaoh. And how did Joseph rise to second in command in Egypt? Do you remember? He would never have gotten that position had he not interpreted a dream that Pharaoh had. And had it not been for the butler that forgot about him when he was in prison, what then? And he would have never been in prison had it not been for Potiphar's wife. And he would have never come into contact with Potiphar's wife had he not been sold into Egypt and ultimately been the steward in Potiphar's house. And he would have never been in Egypt had it not been for his brothers who sold him into the hands of the Ishmaelites and the Midianites. Now you can go back and look at the record. And throughout this series of events, this chain of events, only two times did God miraculously intervene. And in both instances, God was the one through Joseph that interpreted the dreams. It was God through Joseph that interpreted the dream that the butler and the baker had. You remember the butler and the baker? They're both in prison. And Joseph had said to the butler, listen, in three days you'll be restored to your position. But to the baker he said, in three days you'll be hanged. And that's what happened, didn't it? And then later after the famine, or rather after Pharaoh had the dream and didn't understand the magnitude of the dream, You've got the butler saying, after two full years, you know, I do remember my faults. There was a fellow back in prison with the baker and myself, and we had dreams, and this guy interpreted them. And so Pharaoh calls upon, calls upon Joseph to come and interpret this dream. And so the providence of God at work, Look now at the text again. Note, if you would, what is said in verse 7. 
God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God, for he has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Now look at verse 9. Hasten and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me and do not tarry. Now look at verse 10. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen. And you shall be near to me and your children, your children's children, your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. There I will provide for you, lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty, for there are still five years of famine. And then look at chapter 46. In chapter 46, we have God now speaking to Jacob, the father of Joseph. In verse 1, Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. Then God spoke to Israel in, in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob, and he said, Here I am. And he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make of you a great nation. All right, so how then did the children of Israel migrate how did this small band, this small family, find their way to Egypt? Through one man, and that was Joseph. Now, we looked at Genesis 15 when the promise was made to Abraham that his descendants would dwell in a foreign land, a strange land, for 400 years, after which they would come out with great substance. God is now bringing all of this together. And God is saying to Jacob that I will fulfill my promises, the promises that I made to your father and to his father. And so listen to what it said. I'm the God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make of you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt. And then listen to this. And I will surely bring you up again. And Joseph will put his hand on your eyes. So this whole story, this whole narrative is dependent on one person. That one person was Joseph. Now I want you to turn from that to chapter 50. In chapter 50, now we have the death of Joseph's father. And you can just imagine the brothers, and their anxiety. Joseph had been mistreated. They had sold him out. He had already said to them, look, God's the one that sent me before you to preserve life. And I think that at that point in time, Joseph recognized the hand of God in this situation. So now Jacob has died. And the brothers are fearful. In their mind, it's payday. Joseph's getting ready to repay us for all that we did to him, for all the misery and all the heartache and all the adversity. And so, look now at verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. 
So they sent messengers to Joseph, saying, Before your father died, he commanded, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. And the Bible says Joseph wept when they spoke to him. What that says to me, Joseph was a person of forgiveness, wasn't he? Joseph had no animosity, no hatred. And you remember back in chapter 37, when it was said of Joseph that his father loved him more than his brothers. He was the favored son, received the coat of many colors. And if you go back and check the record in chapter 37, the Bible says that his brothers, they hated him. They couldn't speak peaceably to him. When they saw him coming, when they were down in Dothan, he had been to Shechem, made his way some 15, 16 miles to Dothan looking for his brothers. When they saw him, they said, here comes that dreamer. Let's put him to death. Let's kill him. Well, Joseph had a good heart. And so note now what the text says. His brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. And Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I, for am I in the place of God. But as for you, he said, You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. When Jacob and his family settled in the land of Goshen, there were about 70 people. Over the next couple of hundred years, that small band, that small family, will grow to some one to two million people. And God would then call on a man by the name of Moses to lead his people out of Egyptian bondage. Now, note if you would again in chapter 50. In chapter 50, listen now to what it said in verse 21. Now therefore do not be afraid, I'll provide for you, your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's household, and Joseph lived 110 years. Now drop down, look at verse 24. And Joseph said to his brethren, I'm dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land of which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. When Joseph was initially sold into Egypt, in the house of Potiphar, do you think he recognized that God was using him as an instrument to accomplish his will? So what does that say to us today? There was a book that was written many years ago by a fellow that was very well known in our brotherhood, Basil Barrett Baxter. The title of the book, Every Life, A Plan of God. You ever thought about your life and how God can use you to accomplish his will in some way? That, in a sense, each and every one of us as God's people, we are an important link in the redemptive process, aren't we? And it might be the case that you and you alone can reach people that I could never reach and vice versa. 
You just think about the contacts and the people that you meet and greet and talk to on a daily basis. And think about your life. The Bible says that we live in a world of spiritual darkness. And yet Jesus said we are to be lights in a darkened world. It might be that you are the very light that leads somebody to the Lord. Now, over in Exodus chapter 1, the Bible is going to tell us, and we make another transition, because Joseph has now died. And the Bible says there arose a new Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. What do you think Moses is saying there in that context? I think that Joseph became a light for God in a pagan land. Joseph became a light for God in the land of Egypt. And through his faith and his fidelity to God, people knew something about the one true living God. But sadly, over time, Another man reached the throne, and Moses said he didn't know the God of Joseph. And so as a result of that, he afflicted the children of Israel, and that's when God called upon Moses to lead those people out of bondage. But look now at verse 25 in chapter 50. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died being 110 years old and they embalmed him and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 22, Joseph is mentioned. Joseph, the Bible says, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. So how's all that fit? The book of Genesis begins with life, doesn't it? In chapter 50, it ends with death. But Joseph is what I would call a bridge in the redemptive plan. Joseph was fundamental. He was a key in God's redemptive plan. And it was through his influence and because of his faith that the children of Israel were able to migrate to Goshen and to settle in that land. And it would be in that land, as I said a moment ago, that they would grow into a mighty nation of people after which God would call them out. And the rest is history. So I said a minute ago something about the providence of God the fact that God provides, doesn't He? We don't have the luxury like Joseph and the sacred writers of the past of saying unequivocally that this is the providence of God. But think about your own life for a minute. Can't you see in some way the hand of God in your life? Have you ever thought about how the providence of God has been at work or is at work in your life? And how God can use you, whether you're a mother, a father, a husband, a wife, a son, a daughter, a sibling, whatever, that each and every one of us are incredibly important to Almighty God. 
Joseph was just 17 years of age. And that whole redemptive plan, to some extent, rested upon his shoulders, didn't it? Says something about the confidence God had in Joseph and the confidence that God displays towards young people. That though we might be young, and maybe we haven't come to age, so to speak, God can, he can still use us in a great way. So when you start looking at the life of Joseph, and you begin running that thread, it is absolutely amazing to see how God was able to accomplish His will through one man in a series of events. I want to encourage you to take inventory of your life, to think about where you've been, to think about where you are, and to think about where you will be. And ask yourself as you take inventory of your life, has God used you in the past? Has He used you to influence people? Has He used you to bring about or to affect change in the lives of people? Is God using you right now? And will God use you in the future? God can use each and every one of us, but we have to be a willing participant, don't we? We have to be like Isaiah who said, Here am I, send me. One of the things that we want to do as a congregation is we want to try to the best of our ability to plug everyone in for everyone to be involved. You have unique skills, abilities that I don't possess. And there are things that you can do and there are ways that you can be an influence for good and for the cause of Christ in this community. And I want to encourage you to look for opportunities to serve the Lord. To be like a Joseph. To be a man of faith. To be a woman of faith. Let me tell you what. There's another great story of providence in the Old Testament. Esther. We'll talk about her later. But here you have two key figures in God's redemptive plan. A man, a woman. And both were used in a mighty way by Almighty God. So what about you? Will God use you, has God used you to benefit His cause, to be a blessing in the lives of people? When I look back, if you'll just maybe allow me to make a personal comment or two. When I look back over my life, if you had known me when I was 17, 18 years of age, I remember my mom wanted me to go to Lipscomb when I was a senior in high school. And I remember going with a buddy of mine up to, up to Nashville, spending the weekend, and I looked that school over and I said, not in a million years. And if you had told me when I was 18, you're gonna be a preacher one day, I would have said to you, you have lost your mind. There's not a person I went to high school with that would have ever, would have ever thought of me being a preacher, including myself. I remember one time a fella 
Maybe I shouldn't tell this, but I will. I remember I was in Knoxville one time, and my mother had given me a shirt that didn't have a collar, a button-up shirt, but it didn't have a collar. And so some friends of mine and I were talking with some other guys, and you know how sometimes things begin to escalate. And so this fellow looks at me and he said, what do you think about that preacher man? And I said, no, you didn't. I couldn't believe he called me a preacher man. And the very idea. And the point is, I never in my wildest imagination thought I would be a preacher. Now listen, I am nothing special. I am no different than any other person. I'm just a regular guy. But I do want to use my life for good. And I remember when I made the decision that I wanted to preach, and I thought long and hard about whatever propelled me to come to that conclusion. But I can tell you this. Once I said I wanted to be a preacher, it's as if doors began to open and I mean, in just a few months' time, I'm in school, and I'm studying to be a preacher. I say all that to simply say to you, we've got young men in this congregation. You might be the next Jonah to bring about a change in this country. We have young ladies in this congregation. Listen, you might be the president one day. We've got young people in this congregation that can be anything they want to be with the help of Almighty God. And so what we've got to do is decide to be an instrument for good for the cause of Christ, like Joseph. Joseph was a man of faith. His life was an evolution of faith, wasn't it? Didn't he grow? So... Again, in closing, think about where you are. Think about where you want to be. And you decide right now that you want to use your life to better this world. You look around in this country tonight. And I get it, you know, things are not positive. Do I worry about the future? Do I, am I concerned about the well-being of our... Yes. But with God's help and our willingness to be an instrument for good in His cause, we can bring about change in this world, in this nation, in this city. But it's up to us. If you're here tonight you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to come to Christ to put your faith and trust in Jesus as the Son of God, to believe that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and then to repent of all your sins, to confess His name before others, to be buried with Him in baptism, to rise to walk in newness of life, and then to be faithful until death. If you're here tonight, maybe your life's not what it ought to be, maybe you're not living as a person of faith, and what you want to do is redirect your life. You want to try to get your life back on track. With God's help, you can do that. And James said, confess your faults one to another, pray one for another. 
we would encourage you to come. We'll pray with you. We'll pray for you. God will abundantly pardon, and you can be a great instrument for His cause. Won't you come as we stand and sing?